Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. In this passage, we read the reality that the world is actually already condemned. In actuality, the end should have come and that damnation should have been faced 2,000 years ago, except for what Jesus did, which gave us more time. That's why Paul said that the end would not come except a falling away come first. That's why Jesus always told everyone to be ready for the end to happen at any moment. But then as the gospel begins to spread, Paul then says, don't think that the end will come until a falling away comes first. Because you see, as the righteousness spreads through the earth like salt, it preserves the land. But then eventually that begins to move in the opposite direction. And as righteousness decreases, then so increases Sin, which brings us back to the place where we started, a condemned earth facing judgment. We have to understand all of this before we can really grasp what the gospel really is, because the gospel means good news, but we don't understand why it's such good news, because we don't know the truth. God had called Israel from its very creation to be a nation of priests that would reveal the truth of who God was to the world to teach them of him, to demonstrate his kindness and his holiness, and to redeem them and bring them into his family with him. Of course, we know that by history, they often failed to rightly represent him because that over time they had become prideful and disconnected. They stopped influencing and became influenced. They didn't do what they were called to do. So the world fell into further and further despair and disarray. Eventually, Israel itself would become so polluted and destitute of both the truth and of the good fruit of the character of the very Spirit of God that all seemed lost and things got very dark. For 400 years, there was no prophetic voice in Israel. God got silent. And men grew either decadent, discouraged, or despondent. And then a child was born. In Luke chapter 2, verse 11, we read this, For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and singing, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Yes, a son was given, but not just any son, not just any deliverer, not just anyone. This was God's son, and he came in a way that no one, expected. Therefore did the prideful and decadent miss it, but he came as a light in the darkness. While the priests of the time 
were lazy and selfish and condemned men for not being like them continually. This humble king, born in a barn, came to show mercy, to walk among them, to teach them, to reach them where they were, to seek and to save that which was lost, to be hope to the hopeless, sight to the blind, healing to the wounded, and freedom to the spiritually captive. There was no need for him to condemn, only to explain that they already were condemned by their own sinfulness, but that he had come to give them a way of escape from it and from the punishment for it. He came to give them hope and to show them the way of redemption. Of course, we know even as he did then that some would reject it because it strikes a blow to one's pride to be told that you are not where you thought that you were with God. But Jesus was clear. God was not willing that any should perish. Last of all, his own family. Israel was always considered God's firstborn. Jesus came to save all, but them most of all. Not to condemn, but to sacrifice, to fight for them with all that he was. To call men to repentance, to bring them to deliverance, to provide for them salvation, to make them a light to every nation. Such love, mercy, and grace that was given us through Jesus. Such a blessed gift that we are still given through the power of his Holy Spirit. Scripture is clear that it is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why he sent us John, the baptizer, and then Jesus. That's why he sent out the apostles after them. That's why he still calls men to preach the good news, the gospel, and call all to repentance. It is good news that God loves you and was willing to send his son to die for you, to give you a way of escape, to give more time that you might be able to make it in to the family of God, that for thousands of years he has labored to save all who would believe his words and teachings and believe him and turn from their wicked ways. But one thing that is true that is not very much preached today, and that is that you have to change. You see, we call it getting saved, but Jesus didn't call it that. He called it being converted. The word converted means changed, transformed, becoming something completely different than you were before. He told Nicodemus that it was like being born again receiving a new spirit from him and becoming something absolutely, completely different. It says old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Put on the new man, the new you. So if you haven't changed, my friend, you haven't been converted. You haven't been born again. Repent of your sins. In other words, choose to turn away from them and receive forgiveness and redemption by the grace of God that he has freely given to do this impossible work in you. 
Because if you haven't changed, if you haven't been converted, then you're not saved. Because you are still condemned by your own pride and wickedness that thinks you're all right the way you are. Just like the Pharisees that rejected him. Don't make light his sacrifice. He came for a reason. He died to release the truth to you that we're not okay the way we are, that we are already condemned, except we believe him. He, being the greatest in power, glory, majesty, riches, wisdom, and deity, humbled himself to come down to the dust with us and bring us the truth that we might believe what he taught us and be saved. And we have to be willing to humble ourselves enough to receive it and be changed rather than to try to change what he said so that we can stay the same. Be humble. Repent, turn away from all sin, wickedness, and self-willedness. Forgive others, their sins, and their trespasses. Don't come to God accusing others with blame and accusations. Come to him in humility and confess your own sins as sins before him and choose to forsake them forevermore. Bury them. And don't dig them back up again because the person that you were can be crucified with Christ. And that is great news because that means every sin that person ever committed is dead and gone. But so is everything that was ever done to them. You can't ask God to forgive you of your wrongs if you're not willing to forgive others of the wrongs that they did to you. The person that you were is supposed to be dead and gone. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of conversion. Today You start anew. Ask God for forgiveness and for the grace to be delivered from the lies of the enemy that influences men to commit sin. Understand this, my friend, that God is not okay with your complacence. He loved you enough to give up his son for your salvation. Don't waste it. Be changed by it. Because we will all have to give an account to him on the final day for what we did with this most precious gift. Jesus tells us this in Luke chapter 13 verse 3. I tell you nay, but except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Repent is not saying I'm sorry. Repent is choosing to walk away from, to turn away and not return to something. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, he says that he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whosoever confesseth and forsaketh those sins, it is he that shall have mercy. So you see, we might say, but I don't have the power or the ability I tried before. That's true. That's why God offers his grace to you. But understand that grace is not the same as mercy. Grace is power and favor. Grace is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is stronger than sin and temptation and Satan. Believe enough to know that God is not okay with your sin and that you have got to come away from it. 
and then come to God and confess it as sin. Acknowledge it. God, I'm sorry I did this. I don't want to do it anymore. I need you to deliver me from it. And then believe that he can and choose to walk away from it. And by grace, he will empower you to do it. The easiest explanation I have for you of how grace really works is fasting. By faith, you have to believe that God tells us in the scripture to fast and that maybe he's speaking that to you. And so you choose, Lord, okay, I'm going to believe you in faith. I'm going to put the food away. I'm going to turn away from it. You can't keep eating the food and say, by grace, I'm fasting. No, that's not what it is. You have to believe that there is power and ability to do it. And by faith, you turn away from it. Then the grace comes to empower you to walk out that impossible thing. It's like that in every aspect of our walk of faith, we have to believe that God can, and then he will, and then he does. In John chapter 8, verse 31, we read this, and then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples. In other words, doing as he said in his teachings and in his words, the red-lettered words of Jesus in the scripture, he says, then if you continue in these things, then you are my disciples indeed. See, just like our example about fasting, we have to continue not to eat whatever those things were that we covenanted with God not to consume in order to still be considered fasting. When we covenant with God unto salvation, there are agreements. It is a covenant and there are terms and conditions. Yes, even in the New Testament. For example, he tells us that we have to forgive others. We can't hold any offenses. He tells us that we have to love the brethren, that we have to love God more than ourselves. He tells us that we have to lay aside pride and fornication and the use of drugs and drunkenness and desires for vainglory and self-willedness. We have to believe him for salvation. That he is able to save us. That he is stronger than Satan. We have to have our faith in him to overcome. That he came to destroy the works of the enemy. To give us power and authority. To be able to say, get ye behind me, Satan. You are under my feet. You are a defeated foe. I am following the word of my Lord and his voice wherever he tells me to go. We have to have enough faith to come to him in prayer every day for every decision and say, Lord, where do you want me to go with this? And we have to follow him. We have to choose what he wants for our life, for our relationships, for our jobs, for our ministries, for our everything. We don't just live our life the way we want and try to sprinkle a little Jesus into it. No, we live and breathe for Jesus and sprinkle a little bit of life around it. He has to be the focal point. If not, we're drowning. Jesus tells us in John 8, 31, as we were just reading, that if we continue in his words, then we shall be his disciples indeed and we shall know the truth. And it is the truth that shall make us free. You see, that's the key. Jesus, when he prayed to the Father for us in John chapter 17, he asked God to sanctify us by his word. Because his word is truth. 
Jesus also said that he never said anything except God told him to tell us. Therefore, the words that he spoke are the words that are going to judge us on the final day. Jesus suffered and sacrificed to bring us the truth. And if we believe that truth that he spoke, then that will set us free. Everything that he said. Yes, he is redemption. Yes, he is forgiveness. Yes, he is the light in the darkness. Yes, the good news of who he is is miraculous. And it is so encouraging to know that he made a way of escape for us, that he gave us more time to preach this good news that he came to seek and to save that which is lost, that there is a place for you in New Jerusalem at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But if we reject it, if we come with the pride of the Pharisees that says we already know everything, we can do what we want, we can make our own way, we're going to be okay. We don't need to change then we're going to march headlong into hell, into damnation, into judgment, because the truth is, is that this world is already condemned in us with it. We need to change, to be converted, to be made different, to be made, according to scripture, into the likeness of Jesus, producing the fruits of his spirit. In fact, Jesus said that many will claim to be mine on the final day, They will say that I am their master and Lord, but I will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. You're still in your sin. It's not those who think that I'm their master that are going to get in to heaven, but those who do the will of the Father that is in heaven. Jesus took our sin that we might have his righteousness. There has to be a conversion. He gives us the power to seek the Father, to come boldly before that throne of grace. By the shed blood of Jesus, we can ask to be cleansed of our sin and enter in, to find help in times of trouble, to say, Father God, we don't have the power or the ability in and of ourselves, but with you, all things are possible. Nothing is too hard for you. So by your grace, I need to be empowered. By your grace, I need to be led. By your grace, I need to have more faith to stand against every lie of Satan. Lord, I need to know who you are today. Fill me up and remove every ungodly influence that comes to bring unbelief and discouragement in the name of Jesus. Oh Lord, help us to walk in the boldness of your spirit and in the fullness of everything that you afford for us. Lord, we want to walk in your will, in your plan, in your destiny. Let it be done in the mighty name of Jesus. And then believe that it is done and begin to pursue it. In that good news that God made that available to us. Thank you, Lord, for your blood, your grace, your word, and your Holy Spirit. Thank you for redemption from the coming judgment. Thank you for a place in your eternal kingdom. Let us not take lightly such a great gift that you have given us. Let us not lose the joy of having received it. And let us have an urgency to bring it to others while we still can, understanding that if they don't 
grab hold of this and become converted themselves, born again, then they're going to miss heaven. They're going to miss New Jerusalem. They're going to face the damnation that is coming for the nations because all the world will burn except for those who have been converted. The Bible tells us that in the end, the whole world will be like Sodom and Gomorrah, but the saints of God are going to be able to stand in the fire singing like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they would not bend the knee to Satan. You know, many of us say, oh, I would never take the mark of the beast. I would never serve the Antichrist spirit. But my friend, Paul warned us that the Antichrist spirit was already in operation. And every day when you do things that are contrary to the teachings of Jesus, you are bending the knee to the Antichrist. And you will bend it to the man who comes of whom that spirit will possess in the end. Because ultimately it's going to come down to this. Do you really believe Jesus? I'm not asking you if you believe in him because the book of James says that even the demons believe in him and they even tremble at his name. There are many who believe in him. The question is, do you believe him? Not just in who he is, but in what he said. Because he himself said that in the end it is the words that he has spoken that will judge us and determine whether or not we really had faith in him. And if we did, then we get to enter in and rule and reign with him for a thousand years from New Jerusalem to be seated with him in heavenly places for all eternity to know joy everlasting. But if we didn't, then it's not him that condemns us. Because the truth is, is that we were already condemned. He just came to save us from our current judgment. But if we don't think we need to change, then that's on us. Don't let the pride and the lies of Satan do to you what it did to the Pharisees in the time of Jesus. Humble yourself and receive his salvation. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.